This is the Cyber Defense Coach audiobook podcast presenting NIST Special Publication 800-171 Revision 2 by Ron Ross, Victoria Politeri, Kelly Dempsey, Mark Riddle, and Gary Juzini. Part 6 of 6. This title is edited and abridged to aid in audio understanding. Appendices have been removed and some areas have been shortened. NIST Special Publication 800-171 Revision 2. Part 6. 3.11. Risk Assessment. Basic Security Requirements. 3.11.1. Periodically assess the risk to organizational operations, including mission, functions, image, or reputation, organizational assets, and individuals, resulting from the operation of organizational systems and the associated processing, storage, or transmission of CUI. Discussion. Clearly defined system boundaries are a prerequisite for effective risk assessments. Such risk assessments consider threats, vulnerabilities, likelihood, and impact to organizational operations, organizational assets, and individuals based on the operation and use of organizational systems. Risk assessments also consider risk from external parties, example, service providers, contractors operating systems on behalf of the organization, individuals accessing organizational systems, outsourcing entities. Risk assessments, either formal or informal, can be conducted at the organization level, the mission or business process level, or the system level, and at any phase in the system development life cycle. SP 830 provides guidance on conducting risk assessments. Derived Security Requirements 3.11.2 Scan for vulnerabilities in organizational systems and applications periodically and when new vulnerabilities affecting those systems and applications are identified. Discussion Organizations determine the required vulnerability scanning for all system components, ensuring that potential sources of vulnerabilities such as networked printers, scanners, and copiers are not overlooked. The vulnerabilities to be scanned are readily updated as new vulnerabilities are discovered, announced, and scanning methods developed. This process ensures that potential vulnerabilities in the system are identified and addressed as quickly as possible. Vulnerability analyses for custom software applications may require additional approaches such as static analysis, dynamic analysis, binary analysis, or a hybrid of the three approaches. Organizations can employ these analysis approaches in source code reviews and in a variety of tools, example, static analysis tools, web-based application scanners, binary analyzers, and in source code reviews. Vulnerability scanning includes scanning for patch levels, scanning for functions, ports, protocols, and services that should not be accessible to users or devices, and scanning for improperly configured or incorrectly operating information flow control mechanisms. To facilitate interoperability, organizations consider using products that are security content automated protocol, SCAP, validated, scanning tools that express vulnerabilities in the Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures CV, naming convention, and that employ the Open Vulnerability Assessment Language OVAL, to determine the presence of system vulnerabilities. Sources for vulnerability information include the Common Weakness Enumeration CWE, listing and the National Vulnerability Database NVD. Security assessments, such as red team exercises, provide additional sources of potential vulnerabilities for which to scan. 
Organizations also consider using scanning tools that express vulnerability impact by the Common Vulnerability Scoring System, CVSS. In certain situations, the nature of the vulnerability scanning may be more intrusive or the system component that is the subject of the scanning may contain highly sensitive information. Privileged access authorization to selected system components facilitates thorough vulnerability scanning and protects the sensitive nature of such scanning. SP840 provides guidance on vulnerability management. 3.11.3 Remediate vulnerabilities in accordance with risk assessments. Discussion Vulnerabilities discovered, for example, via the scanning conducted in response to 3.11.2, are remediated with consideration of the related assessment of risk. The consideration of risk influences the prioritization of remediation efforts and the level of effort to be expended in the remediation for specific vulnerabilities. 3.12 Security Assessment Basic Security Requirements 3.12.1 Periodically assess the security controls in organizational systems to determine if the controls are effective in their application. Discussion Organizations assess security controls in organizational systems and the environments in which those systems operate as part of the system development life cycle. Security controls are the safeguards or countermeasures organizations implement to satisfy security requirements. By assessing the implemented security controls, organizations determine if the security safeguards or countermeasures are in place and operating as intended. Security control assessments ensure that information security is built into organizational systems, identify weaknesses and deficiencies early in the development process, provide essential information needed to make risk-based decisions, and ensure compliance to vulnerability mitigation procedures. Assessments are conducted on the implemented security controls as documented in system security plans. Security assessment reports document assessment results in sufficient detail as deemed necessary by organizations to determine the accuracy and completeness of the reports and whether the security controls are implemented correctly, operating as intended, and producing the desired outcome with respect to meeting security requirements. Security assessment results are provided to the individuals or roles appropriate for the types of assessments being conducted. Organizations ensure that security assessment results are current, relevant to the determination of security control effectiveness, and obtained with the appropriate level of assessor independence. Organizations can choose to use other types of assessment activities such as vulnerability scanning and system monitoring to maintain the security posture of systems during the system lifecycle. SP853 provides guidance on security and privacy controls for systems and organizations. SP853A provides guidance on developing security assessment plans and conducting assessments. 3.12.2 Develop and implement plans of action designed to correct deficiencies and reduce or eliminate vulnerabilities in organizational systems. Discussion The plan of action is a key document in the information security program. Organizations develop plans of action that describe how any unimplemented security requirements will be met and how any planned mitigations will be implemented. Organizations can document the system security plan and plan of action as separate or combined documents and in any chosen format. 
federal agencies may consider the submitted system security plans and plans of action as critical inputs to an overall risk management decision to process, store, or transmit CUI on a system hosted by a non-federal organization and whether it is advisable to pursue an agreement or contract with the non-federal organization. NIST CUI provides supplemental material for special publication 800 to 171 including templates for plans of action. 3.12.3. Monitor security controls on an ongoing basis to ensure the continued effectiveness of the controls. Discussion. Continuous monitoring programs facilitate ongoing awareness of threats, vulnerabilities, and information security to support organizational risk management decisions. The terms continuous and ongoing imply that organizations assess and analyze security controls and information security-related risks at a frequency sufficient to support risk-based decisions. The results of continuous monitoring programs generate appropriate risk response actions by organizations. Providing access to security information on a continuing basis through reports or dashboards gives organizational officials the capability to make effective and timely risk management decisions. Automation supports more frequent updates to hardware, software, firmware inventories, and other system information. Effectiveness is further enhanced when continuous monitoring outputs are formatted to provide information that is specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and timely. Monitoring requirements, including the need for specific monitoring, may also be referenced in other requirements. SP 800-137 provides guidance on continuous monitoring. 3.12.4 Develop, document, and periodically update system security plans that describe system boundaries, system environments of operation, how security requirements are implemented, and the relationships with or connections to other systems. Discussion System security plans relate security requirements to a set of security controls. System security plans also describe, at a high level, how the security controls meet those security requirements, but do not provide detailed, technical descriptions of the design or implementation of the controls. System security plans contain sufficient information to enable a design and implementation that is unambiguously compliant with the intent of the plans and subsequent determinations of risk if the plan is implemented as intended. Security plans need not be single documents, the plans can be a collection of various documents including documents that already exist. Effective security plans make extensive use of references to policies, procedures, and additional documents, example, design and implementation specifications, where more detailed information can be obtained. This reduces the documentation requirements associated with security programs and maintains security-related information in other established management-slash-operational areas related to enterprise architecture, system development lifecycle, systems engineering, and acquisition. Federal agencies may consider the submitted system security plans and plans of action as critical inputs to an overall risk management decision to process, store, or transmit CUI on a system hosted by a non-federal organization and whether it is advisable to pursue an agreement or contract with the non-federal organization. SP 818 provides guidance on developing security plans. NIST CUI provides supplemental material for special publication 800-171 including templates for system security plans. Derived security requirements. None. 3.13.
System and Communications Protection, Basic Security Requirements, 3.13.1. Monitor, control, and protect communications, i.e., information transmitted or received by organizational systems at the external boundaries and key internal boundaries of organizational systems. Discussion. Communications can be monitored, controlled, and protected at boundary components and by restricting or prohibiting interfaces in organizational systems. Boundary components include gateways, routers, firewalls, guards, network-based malicious code analysis and virtualization systems, or encrypted tunnels implemented within a system security architecture, example, routers protecting firewalls or application gateways residing on protected subnetworks. Restricting or prohibiting interfaces in organizational systems includes restricting external web communications traffic to designated web servers within managed interfaces and prohibiting external traffic that appears to be spoofing internal addresses. Organizations consider the shared nature of commercial telecommunication services in the implementation of security requirements associated with the use of such services. Commercial telecommunication services are commonly based on network components and consolidated management systems shared by all attached commercial customers and may also include third-party provided access lines and other service elements. Such transmission services may represent sources of increased risk despite contract security provisions. SP841 provides guidance on firewalls and firewall policy. SP81025B provides guidance on security for virtualization technologies. 3.13.2 Employ architectural designs, software development techniques, and systems engineering principles that promote effective information security within organizational systems. Discussion Organizations apply system security engineering principles to new development systems or systems undergoing major upgrades. For legacy systems, organizations apply system security engineering principles to system upgrades and modifications to the extent feasible, given the current state of hardware, software, and firmware components within those systems. The application of system security engineering concepts and principles helps to develop trustworthy, secure, and resilient systems and system components and reduce the susceptibility of organizations to disruptions, hazards, and threats. Examples of these concepts and principles include developing layered protections, establishing security policies, architecture, and controls as the foundation for design, incorporating security requirements into the system development lifecycle, delineating physical and logical security boundaries, ensuring that developers are trained on how to build secure software, and performing threat modeling to identify use cases, threat agents, attack vectors and patterns, design patterns, and Compensating controls needed to mitigate risk. Organizations that apply security engineering concepts and principles can facilitate the development of trustworthy, secure systems, system components, and system services, reduce risk to acceptable levels, and make informed risk management decisions. SP 800 provides guidance on system security engineering. Derived security requirements. 3.13.3. Separate user functionality from system management functionality. Discussion. System management functionality includes functions necessary to administer databases, network components, workstations, or servers, and typically requires privileged user access. 
The separation of user functionality from system management functionality is physical or logical. Organizations can implement separation of system management functionality from user functionality by using different computers, different central processing units, different instances of operating systems, or different network addresses, virtualization techniques, or combinations of these or other methods, as appropriate. This type of separation includes web administrative interfaces that use separate authentication methods for users of any other system resources. Separation of system and user functionality may include isolating administrative interfaces on different domains and with additional access controls. 3.13.4 Prevent unauthorized and unintended information transfer via shared system resources. Discussion the control of information in shared system resources, example, registers, cache memory, main memory, hard disks, is also commonly referred to as object reuse and residual information protection. This requirement prevents information produced by the actions of prior users or roles, or the actions of processes acting on behalf of prior users or roles, from being available to any current users or roles, or current processes acting on behalf of current users or roles, that obtain access to shared system resources after those resources have been released back to the system. This requirement also applies to encrypted representations of information. This requirement does not address information remnants, which refers to residual representation of data that has been nominally deleted, covert channels, including storage or timing channels, where shared resources are manipulated to violate information flow restrictions or components within systems for which there are only single users or roles. 3.13.5 Implement subnetworks for publicly accessible system components that are physically or logically separated from internal networks. Discussion Subnetworks that are physically or logically separated from internal networks are referred to as demilitarized zones, DMZs. DMZs are typically implemented with boundary control devices and techniques that include routers, gateways, firewalls, virtualization, or cloud-based technologies. SP841 provides guidance on firewalls and firewall policy. SP81025B provides guidance on security for virtualization technologies. 3.13.6 Deny network communications traffic by default and allow network communications traffic by exception, i.e., deny all, permit by exception. Discussion This requirement applies to inbound and outbound network communications traffic at the system boundary and at identified points within the system. A denial, permit by exception network communications traffic policy ensures that only those connections which are essential and approved are allowed. 3.13.7 Prevent remote devices from simultaneously establishing non-remote connections with organizational systems and communicating via some other connection to resources in external networks, i.e., split tunneling. Discussion Split tunneling might be desirable by remote users to communicate with local system resources such as printers or file servers. However, split tunneling allows unauthorized external connections, making the system more vulnerable to attack and to exfiltration of organizational information. This requirement is implemented in remote devices, example, notebook computers, smartphones, and tablets, through configuration settings to disable split tunneling in those devices, and by preventing configuration settings from being readily configurable by users. 
This requirement is implemented in the system by the detection of split tunneling or of configuration settings that allow split tunneling in the remote device and by prohibiting the connection if the remote device is using split tunneling. 3.13.8 Implement cryptographic mechanisms to prevent unauthorized disclosure of CUI during transmission unless otherwise protected by alternative physical safeguards. Discussion this requirement applies to internal and external networks and any system components that can transmit information including servers, notebook computers, desktop computers, mobile devices, printers, copiers, scanners, and facsimile machines. Communication paths outside the physical protection of control boundaries are susceptible to both interception and modification. Organizations relying on commercial providers offering transmission services as commodity services rather than as fully dedicated services, i.e., services which can be highly specialized to individual customer needs, may find it difficult to obtain the necessary assurances regarding the implementation of the controls for transmission confidentiality. In such situations, organizations determine what types of confidentiality services are available in commercial telecommunication service packages. If it is infeasible or impractical to obtain the necessary safeguards and assurances of the effectiveness of the safeguards through appropriate contracting vehicles, organizations implement compensating safeguards or explicitly accept the additional risk. An example of an alternative physical safeguard is a protected distribution system, PDS, where the distribution medium is protected against electronic or physical intercept, thereby ensuring the confidentiality of the information being transmitted. C. NIST Crypto 3.13.9 Terminate network connections associated with communication sessions at the end of the sessions or after a defined period of inactivity. Discussion This requirement applies to internal and external networks. Terminating network connections associated with communication sessions include deallocating associated TCP IP address or port pairs at the operating system level or deallocating networking assignments at the application level if multiple application sessions are using a single operating system level network connection. Time periods of user inactivity may be established by organizations and include time periods by type of network access or for specific network accesses. 3.13.10 Establish and manage cryptographic keys for cryptography employed in organizational systems. Discussion Cryptographic key management and establishment can be performed using manual procedures or mechanisms supported by manual procedures. Organizations define key management requirements in accordance with applicable federal laws, executive orders, policies, directives, regulations, and standards specifying appropriate options, levels, and parameters. SP-856A and SP-857-1 provide guidance on cryptographic key management and key establishment. 3.13.11 Employ FIPS-validated cryptography when used to protect the confidentiality of CUI. Discussion Cryptography can be employed to support many security solutions including the protection of controlled unclassified information, the provision of digital signatures, and the enforcement of information separation when authorized individuals have the necessary clearances for such information but lack the necessary formal access approvals. Cryptography can also be used to support random number generation and hash generation. 
Cryptographic standards include FIPS-validated cryptography and or NSA-approved cryptography. See NIST Crypto, NIST CAVP, and NIST CMVP 3.13.12. Prohibit remote activation of collaborative computing devices and provide indication of devices in use to users present at the device. Discussion. Collaborative computing devices include networked whiteboards, cameras, and microphones. Indication of use includes signals to users when collaborative computing devices are activated. Dedicated video conferencing systems, which rely on one of the participants calling or connecting to the other party to activate the video conference, are excluded. Dedicated video conferencing systems, which rely on one of the participants calling or connecting to the other party to activate the video conference, are excluded. 3.13.13 Control and monitor the use of mobile code. Discussion. Mobile code technologies include Java, JavaScript, ActiveX, PostScript, PDF, Flash Animations, and VBScript. Decisions regarding the use of mobile code in organizational systems are based on the potential for the code to cause damage to the systems if used maliciously. Usage restrictions and implementation guidance apply to the selection and use of mobile code installed on servers and mobile code downloaded and executed on individual workstations, notebook computers, and devices, example, smartphones. Mobile code policy and procedures address controlling or preventing the development, acquisition, or introduction of unacceptable mobile code in systems, including requiring mobile code to be digitally signed by a trusted source. SP 828 provides guidance on mobile code. 3.13.14 Control and monitor the use of voice over internet protocol, VoIP, technologies. Discussion. VoIP has different requirements, features, functionality, availability, and service limitations when compared with the plain old telephone service, POTS, i.e., the standard telephone service. In contrast, other telephone services are based on high-speed, digital communications lines, such as Integrated Services Digital Network, ISDN, and Fiber Distributed Data Interface, FDDI. The main distinctions between POTS and non-POTS services are speed and bandwidth. To address the threats associated with VoIP, usage restrictions and implementation guidelines are based on the potential for the VoIP technology to cause damage to the system if it is used maliciously. Threats to VoIP are similar to those inherent with any internet-based application. SP858 provides guidance on voice over IP systems. 3.13.15 Protect the authenticity of communication sessions. Discussion. Authenticity protection includes protecting against man-in-the-middle attacks, session hijacking, and the insertion of false information into communication sessions. This requirement addresses communications protection at the session versus packet level, example, sessions and service-oriented architectures providing web-based services, and establishes grounds for confidence at both ends of communication sessions in ongoing identities of other parties and in the validity of information transmitted. SP-877, SP-895, and SP-800-113 provide guidance on secure communication sessions. 3.13.16. Protect the confidentiality of CUI at rest. Discussion. 
Information at rest refers to the state of information when it is not in process or in transit and is located on storage devices as specific components of systems. The focus of protection at rest is not on the type of storage device or the frequency of access but rather the state of the information. Organizations can use different mechanisms to achieve confidentiality protections, including the use of cryptographic mechanisms and file share scanning. Organizations may also use other controls including secure offline storage in lieu of online storage when adequate protection of information at rest cannot otherwise be achieved or continuous monitoring to identify malicious code at rest. C. NIST Crypto 3.14 System and Information Integrity Basic Security Requirements 3.14.1 Identify, report, and correct system flaws in a timely manner. Discussion. Organizations identify systems that are affected by announced software and firmware flaws including potential vulnerabilities resulting from those flaws and report this information to designated personnel with information security responsibilities. Security-relevant updates include patches, service packs, hotfixes, and antivirus signatures. Organizations address flaws discovered during security assessments, continuous monitoring, incident response activities, and system error handling. Organizations can take advantage of available resources such as the Common Weakness Enumeration CWE, database or Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures CV, database in remediating flaws discovered in organizational systems. Organization-defined time periods for updating security-relevant software and firmware may vary based on a variety of factors including the criticality of the update, i.e., severity of the vulnerability related to the discovered flaw. Some types of flaw remediation may require more testing than other types of remediation. SP 800-30 provides guidance on patch management technologies. 3.14.2 Provide protection from malicious code at designated locations within organizational systems. Discussion. Designated locations include system entry and exit points which may include firewalls, remote access servers, workstations, electronic mail servers, web servers, proxy servers, notebook computers, and mobile devices. Malicious code includes viruses, worms, Trojan horses, and spyware. Malicious code can be encoded in various formats, example, Unicode, Unicode, contained within compressed or hidden files, or hidden in files using techniques such as steganography. Malicious code can be inserted into systems in a variety of ways including web accesses, electronic mail, electronic mail attachments, and portable storage devices. Malicious code insertions occur through the exploitation of system vulnerabilities. Malicious code protection mechanisms include antivirus signature definitions and reputation-based technologies. A variety of technologies and methods exist to limit or eliminate the effects of malicious code. Pervasive configuration management and comprehensive software integrity controls may be effective in preventing execution of unauthorized code. In addition to commercial off-the-shelf software, malicious code may also be present in custom-built software. This could include logic bombs, backdoors, and other types of cyber attacks that could affect organizational missions business functions. Traditional malicious code protection mechanisms cannot always detect such code. 
In these situations, organizations rely instead on other safeguards including secure coding practices, configuration management and control, trusted procurement processes, and monitoring practices to help ensure that software does not perform functions other than the functions intended. SP883 provides guidance on malware incident prevention. 3.14.3 Monitor system security alerts and advisories and take action in response. Discussion There are many publicly available sources of system security alerts and advisories. For example, the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, generates security alerts and advisories to maintain situational awareness across the federal government and in non-federal organizations. Software vendors, subscription services, and industry information sharing and analysis centers, ISACs, may also provide security alerts and advisories. Examples of response actions include notifying relevant external organizations, for example, external mission-slash-business partners, supply chain partners, external service providers, and peer or supporting organizations. SP 800-161 provides guidance on supply chain risk management. Derived Security Requirements 3.14.4 Update malicious code protection mechanisms when new releases are available. Discussion Malicious code protection mechanisms include antivirus signature definitions and reputation-based technologies. A variety of technologies and methods exist to limit or eliminate the effects of malicious code. Pervasive configuration management and comprehensive software integrity controls may be effective in preventing execution of unauthorized code. In addition to commercial off-the-shelf software, malicious code may also be present in custom-built software. This could include logic bombs, backdoors, and other types of cyber attacks that could affect organizational missions business functions. Traditional malicious code protection mechanisms cannot always detect such code. In these situations, organizations rely instead on other safeguards including secure coding practices, configuration management and control, trusted procurement processes, and monitoring practices to help ensure that software does not perform functions other than the functions intended. 3.14.5 Perform periodic scans of organizational systems and real-time scans of files from external sources as files are downloaded, opened, or executed. Discussion Periodic scans of organizational systems and real-time scans of files from external sources can detect malicious code. Malicious code can be encoded in various formats, example UUN code, Unicode, contained within compressed or hidden files, or hidden in files using techniques such as steganography. Malicious code can be inserted into systems in a variety of ways including web accesses, electronic mail, electronic mail attachments, and portable storage devices. Malicious code insertions occur through the exploitation of system vulnerabilities. 3.14.6 Monitor organizational systems, including inbound and outbound communications traffic, to detect attacks and indicators of potential attacks. Discussion System monitoring includes external and internal monitoring. External monitoring includes the observation of events occurring at the system boundary, i.e., part of perimeter defense and boundary protection. Internal monitoring includes the observation of events occurring within the system. 
Organizations can monitor systems, for example, by observing audit record activities in real time or by observing other system aspects such as access patterns, characteristics of access, and other actions. The monitoring objectives may guide determination of the events. System monitoring capability is achieved through a variety of tools and techniques, example, intrusion detection systems, intrusion prevention systems, malicious code protection software, scanning tools, audit record monitoring software, network monitoring software. Strategic locations for monitoring devices include selected perimeter locations and near-server farms supporting critical applications, with such devices being employed at managed system interfaces. The granularity of monitoring information collected is based on organizational monitoring objectives and the capability of systems to support such objectives. System monitoring is an integral part of continuous monitoring and incident response programs. Output from system monitoring serves as input to continuous monitoring and incident response programs. A network connection is any connection with a device that communicates through a network, example, local area network, internet. A remote connection is any connection with a device communicating through an external network, example, the internet. Local, network, and remote connections can be either wired or wireless. Unusual or unauthorized activities or conditions related to inbound-slash-outbound communications traffic include internal traffic that indicates the presence of malicious code in systems or propagating among system components, the unauthorized exporting of information, or signaling to external systems. Evidence of malicious code is used to identify potentially compromised systems or system components. System monitoring requirements, including the need for specific types of system monitoring, may be referenced in other requirements. SP-894 provides guidance on intrusion detection and prevention systems. 3.14.7 Identify unauthorized use of organizational systems. Discussion System monitoring includes external and internal monitoring. System monitoring can detect unauthorized use of organizational systems. System monitoring is an integral part of continuous monitoring and incident response programs. Monitoring is achieved through a variety of tools and techniques, example, intrusion detection systems, intrusion prevention systems, malicious code protection software, scanning tools, audit record monitoring software, network monitoring software. Output from system monitoring serves as input to continuous monitoring and incident response programs. Unusual-slash-unauthorized activities or conditions related to inbound and outbound communications traffic include internal traffic that indicates the presence of malicious code in systems or propagating among system components, the unauthorized exporting of information, or signaling to external systems. Evidence of malicious code is used to identify potentially compromised systems or system components. System monitoring requirements, including the need for specific types of system monitoring, may be referenced in other requirements. SP-894 provides guidance on intrusion detection and prevention systems. We hope you enjoyed this production of NIST 800-171 Revision 2. Original text published in 2020 by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Production copyright 2023 by Cyber Defense Coach. For more cybersecurity audiobooks and information, visit cyberdefensecoach.com.